I'll turn him into a flea, a harmless little flea. And then I'll put that flea in a box. And then I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll mail that box to myself. And when it arrives, I'll smash it with a hammer. It's brilliant, 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 I tell you. Genius, I say. Or to save on postage, I'll just poison him with this. Yzma, Emperor's New Groove. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee S's. And I had too much fun recording that intro. But you did a great job. If you couldn't tell, today's topic about info dumps and avoiding them is the wonderful, fantastic villain monologue. I would say this is the most common type of dialogue info dump that I see. Sometimes it's at the beginning with way too much exposition that we'll put it in quotes because why not? But more advanced writers, more professional writers, we still see this one pop up quite a bit. I mean, just watch any Bond movie. Yeah, I think we can kind of blame Fleming for a lot of this. A lot of the reason why we have the villain monologue is because it is very common to either victimize or justify the bad guy gives an explanation and a reason why the villain has been doing everything they've been doing. Now, I would say that authors really like the villain monologue because of things like that. The hero really likes the villain monologue. The villain obviously really likes the villain monologue. The main participant in this conversation that doesn't like the villain monologue is going to be your audience. It is, for one, very tropish. And for two, usually boring and doesn't make any sense. Why do you need to monologue at a guy that you're just going to kill? Just kill him. Especially when you've built all of this tension right toward this climactic moment where Bond's tied to the chair and the nuke is about to go off. And then there's this huge emotional deflation without it being a tension and release. And the villain monologue is almost always the culprit. So as much fun as it is, we're going to try to avoid it. To learn to avoid it, it's good to look at why we like it in the first place. The most common reason why authors like a villain monologue is because you do get that chance to explain everything that's been hinted at earlier. Especially if you aren't writing anything from the villain's point of view. This lets you as an author justify all of these things that you did. We get to see what Barty Crouch was up to when he was pretending to be Alistair Moody. It can also be a very either sassy or very suave way to convey information depending on the situation. Our introduction quote, that's a very sassy way to explain the plan. It's very delicious for authors to just get to indulge in something like this. But again, it's more fun for me, the author, than it is for my audiences. And sometimes it can help build towards that big climactic ending. When you have a villain that's monologuing and explaining how they're going to make this big nuke go off and kill everybody, it creates a little bit of tension there that if the hero doesn't escape, then everyone is going to die. It does give you, the author, the opportunity to raise those stakes higher than even your characters knew, something that your hero may not have considered that's still going to make the stakes even higher. Of course, if you're not putting it at the end of your story, 
It's often right at the beginning, and it's often for comedic effect, like the intro quote that we had earlier. So yes, as authors, we like it. We still have to refrain as much as possible. It turns out that moment at the end when the villain is monologuing, that's what buys the hero time to actually save the world, to escape the zip ties on the chair and stop the nuke and blah, blah, blah. So heroes like it too. Not only do they like it, they tend to encourage it. They'll ask questions. They'll say, wait, you can't kill me yet. You owe me answers. A really good example of this was Black Widow at the beginning of the original Avengers movie where she's being interrogated, but she's really interrogating them. It's a reverse interrogation kind of technique that, again, in the beginning of the story is being used for comedic effect. But the heroes really like it because it not only gives them information, which is the whole villain's purpose in the monologue anyway, but it also will buy time. And this is inevitably going to be the villain's downfall. So the hero, of course, is going to like it. The problem is that the villains like it too, and I just don't know why. Speaking as the resident villain of the podcast... There are three different reasons why a villain might want to do it. One is to sap all hope, every last remaining bit of happy emotion from the hero. I I like this when they do it as a, I'm going to sit here and monologue at you because I'm preparing your love interest and we're going to torture and kill them in front of you. And I just need you to live long enough to see that so that you die at your worst. Sometimes when the villain is monologuing, it's because they need the hero for something. Here, let me tell you all about my plan. Maybe I can get you on my side and together we can take out all of New York. I have to admit, I do like those villain monologues where they get into those conversations and it does make the hero pause and go, are you actually right about this? Like, am I in the wrong here? I love that moment. And the final reason why villains do this is because... What villain at heart isn't just a dramatic person? They just love the drama of it. Because I have you at your weakest. I have you tied to this chair. So when I drag out your romantic interests and instead of shooting her, I kiss her. Okay, now we've revealed dramatically that your love interest was my pawn all along. Ah, good old Bond. In every single one of these cases, it's because the villain needs something from the hero. Therefore, monologuing seems like a decent solution. But, as we said earlier, the audience just doesn't like it as much. And there are a couple of reasons for this. The main thing that I experience when reading a villain monologue is it reminds me that I'm reading. It takes me out of that moment. We talked about the suspension of disbelief about a year ago. This pops that bubble so that we are outside of the story itself and we're reminded that we're in our living room with a dog at our feet. How can you avoid making a villain monologue feel like the reader is reading? I'm going to go back to that Greek chorus character. Having a character that your reader can relate to so the Black Widow character going, come on, keep, keep talking because I need to know this. Or someone sort of yawning in the background going, can we just kill him already? 
because your audience is going to feel that anyway. The other reason the audience doesn't like a villain monologue is because it really is just unrealistic. Unless you do have a situation like Black Widow, most villain monologues, when the hero is there tied up, there's just no purpose behind it. It doesn't make any logical sense. Unless you've established some other reason why that villain needs that hero to be alive long enough, it just pulls me right out of the story. Assuming your hero is remotely effective and not like Raiders of the Lost Ark just happened to exist the entire time. If they're remotely effective and if the villain is worthy of the conflict that you've put into this story, they're just going to put one between the eyes and move on. You're going to give them every opportunity to stop them? No, that doesn't make any sense. And the last reason audiences really get annoyed at the villain monologue is everything you're saying in that monologue, we should already know by this point. Especially if it's the monologue at the very end and it's information that we should know as compared to one at the beginning, which is more or less throwaway monologue. If it's at the end, this information should have already leaked in through us. We found out about his bad childhood when we figured out who the villain was or whatever this information is that he wants to expound upon for no apparent reason. You can still have those dramatic reveals. The love interest is actually the villain's pawn, but they need to be short and condensed. It needs to be a moment, not a monologue. And I will say for not only villain monologues, but heist stories and any time where your characters, good or evil, are building a plan, only tell us the parts that don't actually work. We get this whole monologue from Yzma at the beginning, and it doesn't work. Even her rejection of 98% of the monologue and her other solution, that one doesn't work either. This makes it interesting instead of repetitive because we're telling the same information and then telling the information as it's happening. As with any plan, either fade to black or tell us the parts that will fail so that we know that it's a failure. That's it for our explanation of avoiding the info dumps. I feel like that was a good one to end on. Yes. But don't leave yet. We have a couple of announcements. If you haven't listened all the way to the end of our bonus episode, we just wanted to say real quickly, we are taking a break through the month of July. We will be releasing extended episodes every Wednesday, but we won't be releasing brand new episodes because we will be a little bit occupied with the writing retreat. Once every year we take a month off and sort of regroup and realign ourselves as authors as well as instructors. In this case, that also coincides with the writing retreat. So we have a page on our website, Writing Retreat 2022, that has all the information. We are doing most of our gathering and explanations on our Discord. It's also a good opportunity because July is Camp NaNoWriMo. It's basically a exercise month for November, which is NaNoWriMo. In July, the tradition is to set your own personal goal and then work towards it. Usually you'll set a goal of fewer than 50,000 words. So just join our Discord, follow us on Facebook, join the events, and we'll make sure that you have all the information you need to join us every day. And until then, write selfishly. 
If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 